during this season. We had uh, the joy of spending a couple of days, three days with our kids that live in San Francisco and our grandson Everett, who of course dominated everything because he's 16 months old and it's what they do. <laughs> and we uh, got to FaceTime the other, the Arizona clan and watch them be happy and then sad that they didn't get something their brother or sister did, but that's, <laughs> anyway, that happens. Um, 25 months ago, I stood here, and I didn't step on the stage, and I haven't yet, but I'm going to next week, because I'm moving on up. <laughs> and I spoke, we're in this together. Little did I realize that that was a prophetic message because I would have never guessed what in this together would have meant. I would have never guessed that we'd have come to you live from our studios in Rancho Cordova or record from our Mather studios or the Gold River studios. In all cases, the dogs attended. I never would have dreamed I'd have brought dogs to church. But here we are, and I believe we're here for a reason. I hope that when I'm done today, that and I and I understand this was a family weekend. A pastor friend of ours that pastors a very large church went to all online today because he knew it would be challenging. I get that, and so a lot of our families are with family and. Uh, Chris and BB are in Southern California. I didn't expect them to drive home to, to be here. Um, but you're here, and I hope that you're inspired enough by the word that's shared today that when your friends do get home, you call them up and say, hey, listen at least to the audio, because I know I'm hard to look at. I'm not camera friendly. I understand that. I'm very realistic. I have a great voice for radio and a face for it, too. Anyway, I want to talk about miracle grace. Miracle grace. We celebrated Christmas yesterday. Christmas is a miracle. Christmas is a miracle. Not the fact that you got through it and your credit card is manageable, although that sometimes for some is a miracle. But, but greater than that, the fact that God himself said, I will become like you, I will become man, because I've been trying to communicate to you, but we don't communicate because we're not on the same level. And man is sitting here trying to reach up to God, trying to reach up, trying to measure up, and guess what happens every time we try to reach up and measure up? We always fail. And so then we build a house of rules don't we? And if I can just follow these, then somehow I will have told myself that I measure up, and now I can communicate with God. And God said, no, here's the way it's going to work. I sent you an email this week from quoting Isaiah. We talk about the fact that a virgin will, will be with child. And what will his name be? God with us. That's a miracle. That God could take on human flesh, the human form, and live life just like we live. Poopy diapers. It's hard to believe that they're spiritual poopy diapers. 
How can, but he did. Now, I always wondered when Jesus was playing, if he fell and skinned his knee, did he reach down and was it healed? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, Jesus broke his arm again. I don't know how he fixed it, but he always does. I don't know that, and there's nothing in the Bible that says anything about that. We do know he was a bit uh, assertive, because at 12, when his family went home, he decided not to. He decided to drop in at uh, the King's College and Seminary and preach for a few days. Why? Because he was God, but he limited his divinity so that he could become one of us to communicate to us. That's a miracle. But many of us, when we hear the term miracles, we think of other things. In fact, some of you might remember this if you're older like me. Here's a clip. Hopefully it works. Some of you are sitting there going, I have no clue what that was. But that's 1980, and that's the semi-final, not the finals. That didn't guarantee us a gold medal. It wasn't until the next day. But the United States, a bunch of amateurs beat a professional Soviet Union team, a team built just to defeat them. The coach went, didn't go after the best players. He went after people that would do what he said. If we do this, we can beat them, and they did. And some people, as Al Michaels, who now if you watch him on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night, whatever night he's on, his voice is a bit different, but, but he said, do you believe in miracles? Some people think that's a miracle. Some people think that when I go to um, one of the uh, Mexican restaurants and I eat the giant burrito grande, the whole thing, that that's a miracle. No, it's just incredible perseverance and dedication, <laughs> commitment to a cause. Uh, everybody has different definitions of miracle. I want to talk today. Can I, can I, I'm a storyteller. You've figured that out by now. Can I tell three stories? And then when we're done, we'll maybe make some sense of them. And they start off in, in Mark chapter 5. And they go into Mark chapter 6. And there are three stories that, uh, in your notes, I may have just left the whole line blank. So you might want to wait till I tell the story. And you might want to title it something that we're going to be loosey-goosey. If you want to put something else for number one, feel free. Here's the story. A leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. Okay, let's think about this. Do you know what a synagogue is? That's the local Jewish church. 
when you couldn't run down to Jerusalem to attend the temple festivities, you went to the synagogue. It's the Jewish version of us. He's the leader. He needs help. Did I mention he was the leader of a Jewish synagogue? What were the Jewish leaders' relationships towards Jesus? Not good. Not good at all. In fact, they thought he was a heretic. But I want you to get this picture, and every dad in this room and every mom in this room can identify with this. When you're so desperate for your child and you've tried all of your formulas and you've tried everything that you can do, what do you do finally? You call to Jesus. Now, some of us might say it'd be wise to do that earlier in the process. But there's something about human nature that says, I'm going to try to fix it first. And then when I'm desperate, I'll go to the man that has the answers. Here was a guy that was willing to break from tradition. And do you realize that he might be, be outcast if his congregation finds out he went to see the heretic? But when you're desperate, you'll risk it. Yes? It's okay for you to, you're not going to throw me off. I've been doing this 43 years. You nodding your head or laughing is not going to mess me up. What's he say? I'm not here for myself. I'm here because my daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. That is a pretty faith-filled statement. From a person who's not a follower. Do you catch that? He's not a follower, and yet he's filled with faith to say, I know, because I've heard the stories. It was in the Nazareth Times last week, what you did over there. We've tried everything else. We've done the incense thing. We've sprinkled holy water. We've done it all. We've tried everything. Why not try this guy, this teacher? But he does it in a way, look at that statement of faith. Come, lay your hands on her, heal her. And Jesus wasn't upset that he was being told what to do. Who do you think you are? We don't get along. You're the religious group. No, he went with him, and guess what? All the people followed, crowding around him. Why are they going? Are they going because they want to see a show? Are they going because they've heard stick around this? He does stuff that's pretty amazing. I'll never forget that wedding I was invited to. Amazing. I saw those servants trot off, fill something with water, and later on, wow, they saved the best for last. Now, there's an interruption in this story. Did you know that? There's an interruption in this story, and this interruption 
could derail Jairus' faith. Because in the middle of this parade to his house to heal his daughter, somebody shows up and interrupts. Now, I'm going to tell that story, but please understand when I tell it in just a minute, it goes right here. Okay? But interruptions, do we have them? Have you ever said to yourself, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to believe God for this, and then an interruption comes in that changes your circumstances, that changes your perspective, that impacts your faith? Has that ever happened? It could be pressures of work. It could be a change in your finances. It could be a, a world that's filled with distraction. And, and look at verse 25 and 26. I'll give you just a hint of this interruption. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. I, that's an interesting. Suffered from many doctors. <laughs> And over the years, she'd spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. Now, if I'm Jairus, and aren't you glad I'm not, because the Bible would be different right here, I'd say, get in line. I was first. You've had 12 years on this thing. Huh? My daughter's not 12 years old. You've been sick longer than she's been alive. So that's the interruption. Interruptions have the potential to change your focus, and interruptions will challenge your faith. And look at verse 35 of this Mark 5. It says, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter's dead. We don't know why you didn't get here fast enough. Well, there was this woman. Remember, I've left out the story, so there's a time thing there. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Now, let me say something about interruptions. They can distract. They can change your focus. But interruptions also provide you with an opportunity and a reminder to refocus your faith on the one who is faithful. You can refocus. Instead of looking at the circumstance. Look to your source. Your circumstance says I was first in line. I got interrupted. Your faith. Your focus can be on. Your source. We live in a world with a plethora of voices. Here's the choice. Which voice will you listen to? The ones that say, don't bother God, it's already over. But look at what happened in verse 36. Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, why did he say it? Because Jesus knew what people were thinking, right? So look at what he said to him. Don't be afraid, just have faith. You had faith to come and see me. You had faith to get in line to see me. You had bold faith to say, come to the house, touch her, and, she, and she'll be healed. Don't listen to what they're telling you. 
Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Friends, if God has given you a promise, regardless of what circumstances testify about it, nothing has changed. I'll say it again. Nothing has changed. If God has given you a promise, regardless of what circumstances testify, nothing has changed. What do you do when you have fear? Replace it with faith. Well, I don't have a lot of faith. Well, I don't see in the Bible that anywhere it says the amount of faith is what's needed. It's whatever amount you have you utilize. So look at what happened in verse 37. Jesus stopped the crowd, wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion, weeping, and waiting. That's a Jewish tradition. They used to hire people to stand outside and cry so you could cry inside and no one would know if it's the real crier or the fake crier. It's a fact. He went inside, asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. What do you do when you have skepticism? Have you, have you seen a lot of that lately? Our world, it's easy to be skeptical. It's, in fact, it's the popular stance to take. What you need to do is embrace faith in face of skepticism. Holding her hand, he said to this little one, little girl, get up. And the girl, who, by the way, was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed, even though they'd gone and asked Jesus to come, and if you just touch her, she'll be healed and made whole. And then when it happened, they were amazed. They were shocked. You might say it was a miracle. Why do we call today's teaching miracle grace? They did not do anything to earn or deserve the presence of the master. They did not do anything to earn or deserve the action of the master. They did nothing to earn or deserve a miracle, but they got it. Then, of course, the greatest way to get news out is to do this. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. How well does that work in the Bible? Everywhere, don't say anything. They do. Now, you remember we had this interruption? That's the second story I want to tell. Here's this woman. Verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she'd spent everything she had to pay them, but it got no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. Well, the question is, where do you go when you have nowhere else to turn? Well, in her case, she heard about Jesus. 
So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Listen to this. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. What did Jairus say? Jesus, if you'll come and touch my child, she will be healed. This woman thought, if I can just, I don't need, I don't need to, to get in line. If I can just kind of grab a little robe action as he's going by, it'll happen. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So, so what do you do when you're desperate? You can give up or you can reach for a robe. Now I have a question for you. Who gave her this phrase, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed? Remember it says she thought to herself. Do you think that was a random thought out of the sky? Or was that the Spirit of God speaking the word, the logos of God, to her heart? You need to do, here's the action you need to take. Reach out and touch. Some of you have had some crazy thoughts about miraculous things to transform your life or to transform your family or your finances. You think, oh, that's just me. It was the pizza. Consider that it might be the Spirit of God that gives you those thoughts. And if you're not sure, ask him. Was that from you? What I found is when it's from him, it sticks around. You know, I thought a few times I could walk on water, but, you know, the first, you know, it always went away. Like one step later. Right? Psalms 139 says this, O Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down, you know I stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. Do you hear that? You know my thoughts. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You think something might have come from God? Isaiah 55, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are beyond anything you could imagine. Who gave her the thought? I'm convinced the Spirit of God. Gave her that thought so that she could have a divine encounter. Reading on verse 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Now, what do you think everybody thought? Same thing that verse 31 says. His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched my robe? There was a difference in this touch. The other was incidental contact, no foul. This was intentional. It was an act of faith. I'm going to reach, I'm going to touch, and God is going to do something through this man. So what do you do when you're desperate? Do you give up? Or do you act in simple faith and believe? Do you discard your logic, sometimes social convention? Do you discard the evidence and do you seek him? I'm convinced, friends, that right thinking always leads to right action. 
That's why believing is the basis of everything that we do. Many of you early on joined us in prayer for our grandson, Daxton Dash. And we asked that God change his DNA. Do you remember that? Because every sign pointed to him having this challenge, this issue that was going to be with him through life. And we prayed. Why did we pray? Because we believed it would make a difference. And we had the guts to say, God, you need to change his DNA. I'm figuring if God can make his DNA, he can change his DNA. And I will never forget the text that I got that said, Dad, we got our miracle. And every day I see the little guy that calls me Bobo. <laughs> when he was first starting to talk, he, he, instead of Poppy, it was, hey, Bobo. And so now that's when I come on FaceTime, or, hey, Bobo, and he laughs. He knows I'm Poppy now, but he knows Bobo. And every time I see him and see him progressing, and the last time we were there, see him bring a book and crawl up next to Nani and sit down and want her to read, and, and she's naming things, pointing at it. You, that may mean nothing to you, and for most kids it would not mean a whole lot to me, but for Daxton Dash, it was a miracle. I told my boss at work, we're praying that God will change Dax's DNA. And when we got the result, I said, this is amazing. And my boss said to me, how can that happen? I don't know. I just know the guy that put me together can fix me. I don't know how a guy that falls into a pool with a live circuit electric motor that falls on him and he's underwater for seven minutes. I don't know how I'm not super brain damaged. Now, some of you might say, we've watched you two years. You are. <laughs> All I know is, and, and Jill's seen it, my little local newspaper, the headline front page of the Daily Union Democrat, impromptu prayer saves life. Nobody knew what to do, so they formed a circle and they prayed. That's a miracle because someone had the courage to ask for the impossible. Rivers, hear me. Hear me right now. Stop thinking you're stuck where you're stuck. Stop thinking your life is always going to be the way it is. Stop thinking your church family is always going to be the way it is. Stop thinking that, and start asking and believing for a miracle. Did you hear me? When I was 16, my aunt looked at me and said, son, to whom much is given, much is required, and walked out of that room. And you know what? For the last 50 years, I'm on borrowed time. Which is why when Pastor Rob sent us a text, and six-page text, by the way, 
And he, he told us the whole story, and I typed back, yes. You know why I said yes? Because God did a miracle in my life, and he changed me. I have a lovely wife, lovely kids, lovely grandkids. I watched, I'm just amazed at how God has blessed, and they're all I have. I was watching yesterday, I mentioned to Jill on the way, it was interesting, on Christmas I'm watching my daughter call her sister, which is, of course, our daughter. And I'm watching my wife call her sister, and I'm watching my son-in-law call his brother and his, his parents. And I thought, I have no one to call. And I'm grateful that God has given me a family. From the child that was abandoned, God has given me a family. What does the scripture say? That God takes the lonely and puts them in families. That's why we call ourselves a church family. Or as your new pastor will call you, an eternal family. I like what he says. Verse 32, he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she'd done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, story number three. It's the next page. Look at the first word. It says afterward. What does that mean? Yeah. What had happened first? Those two stories. And he left Capernaum, which is kind of the capital city of the region. It's the media capital. It's where channels 3, 10, and 13 are. 31, 40, 58. So where was he? He was in Sacramento. Listen to me. And he went to his hometown, Nazareth. You'll say, are you saying where Yuba City is Nazareth? No, we're, we're too far. But just how we know here what goes on there, guess what? In Nazareth, they knew what went, went on in Capernaum. Jesus left Capernaum and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Not wanting to put on a show, on the Sabbath, he went to teach in the synagogue. Notice he didn't set up a tent and have a tent meeting. He waited till Saturday. Everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. They said among themselves, what incredible wisdom has been given to him where did he receive such profound insight? So they recognized what he was saying was of God. It, it, was, it was too great of an insight. They even went so far to say, what mighty miracles flow through his hand? Then the skepticism. Isn't this Mary's son? 
the carpenter, the brother of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, Simon. And don't his sisters all still live here in town? And they took offense at him. The thing that made Jesus so reachable for us, his humanity, was the thing that they despised. Jesus said to them, a prophet is treated with honor everywhere except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house. This is the verse I want to look at. He was unable to do any great miracle in Nazareth except to heal a few sick people by laying his hands on them. He was amazed at the depth of their unbelief. So, you ready to close? That's my three stories. Now here's my three points. Three keys of miracle grace. Number one, acknowledge God is your source. Acknowledge God is your source. Where are you looking for answers? Acknowledge God as your source. 1 Corinthians says, But for us there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things are created and through whom we live. Who is your source? Thankfully, it's not Golden One Credit Union. James 1 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is your source, and he is consistent. If he loved you yesterday, which he did, he loves you today, which he does. If he cared for you yesterday, he cares for you today. If he provided for you yesterday, he will provide for you Today. Matthew says, seek first the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs for his from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ. You want a miracle in your life? Acknowledge God as your source. Yes? The second key of miracle grace is exercise your faith. You see the stories in which things happened? What did people do? Jairus went and said, will you come? If you do this, this will happen. The woman said, if I touch the hem of his garment, and then she reached for it and touched it, there was faith, and it was exercised. In Luke 17, the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. He goes on in Mark 11, I tell you the truth, you can say to the mountain, that's bigger than a tree. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, oh, by the way, there is one caveat. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. There's a sermon right there. 
so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So what do we do? Acknowledge God as our source. Exercise your faith. I'm going to say it this way. Plant a seed. Remember, he said faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. I only have this much faith. Plant it. I only have this much. Plant it. Plant it. Are you ready for the last one? Expect a miracle. I can hear my uh, elementary, preschool, elementary kids in Lodi. They used one of their favorite songs in chapel was, "I anticipate the inevitable supernatural intervention of God. I expect a miracle." And seeing four or five hundred kids sing that to the top of their lungs, they didn't know better. Life hadn't told them not to believe. So they did. You want to know what a miracle is? It's not us beating the Soviet Union. It's not you taking a 40-foot jump shot and it going in, although that might have required the intervention of God. But you want to know what a miracle is? It's the inevitable, supernatural intervention of God to change your circumstances, to change your situations, to change your mindset, to change your thinking, to touch your physical body. I expect a miracle. A miracle is nothing more than a harvest. Galatians 6 says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. In just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. In Philippians, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ. So at 11 o'clock, I'm done. That's a miracle. Do you believe in miracles? To overcome, to experience God's best, you have to look to God as your source. You have to exercise your faith. Plant that seed of faith and then expect a miracle. I want you to believe for a miracle to break the grip of fear that might be in your life. Pray to receive a miracle to break the spirit of poverty, which, by the way, I'm going to throw this in as no charge, reigns over this church. I'm, I'm just going to say it. It's my last Sunday. What are you going to do? Fire me? <laughs> do, do, do you hear? Do you, I, I don't mean this in a harsh way. I, I mean it loving. You've got to break that spirit of poverty that, well, we're here. It's over this city, by the way. It is. Hear what I'm saying. It's not personal. You say, well, you don't live here, so you're just saying, no, I'm, I'm, I, I am you and you are me. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? It's a spirit that says we're lacking. We don't quite measure up. 
it may have started back in 86 or 87 when Yuba City was the last of the places to live of the 334 cities. It may, it may have started, I don't know, but I know it's here. I've sensed it since the day I came. But in this church, we're going to believe for a miracle because we're going to be different. We're going to be different. What will attract people to the message of Jesus here in this place? Because you're different. Because the spirit's different. They recognize, I'm ruled by a spirit of poverty. But over there, those strange people aren't. What did they do? Well, you look to God as your source. You planted a seed. And then guess what? You had the audacity to expect a miracle. Now, I'm going to say something, and I don't. this is not for self-aggrandizement. My wife and I have made a significant investment to break that spirit in this church. We've driven for two years. Why? Because I needed something to do? There were weeks I used to sit there and think, when am I going to get ready? How am I going to be ready? And yet, I always gave you the best that God would give me. For those of you who don't know, I do have another job. This is for fun. And nothing's recycled. Even today. Why? We're planting seeds. We're planting seeds of our life in you because we expect a miracle. We needed it in our life. We needed Dax to be touched. We needed things to change for our future, and it has. If I could list the things that have changed in our life in the last six months, you would be shocked and amazed just like we sit back and say, wow, look what God has done. I know why he's done it. Because we've been planting seeds and we've been expecting a miracle. Well, we're expecting a miracle for you. That God will break the spirit of poverty. And God will break the spirit of smallness. The, us four and no more. You know why we have chairs? So people can sit in them. Not to be spaces between us. only thing that I'm sad is some of our family isn't here. So you call them. I'm begging you. Don't, you haven't done anything else I've asked. Call him. Because I believe that God has great things. I expect it. I expect it. I expect God to transform your life. Your life. Your life. Did I say your life? Yes. I expect it. I expect it for you. We've planted seeds into this church so that we can expect God to do something that transforms you and you and you and you and you. Did I get every, oh, don't forget the sound booth, you and you. And Greg, you're not left out. You. Do you believe? Do you expect? Look to God as your source. He'll transform your life. I guarantee it. 
Father, thank you for the truth of your word and the inspiration of your spirit this morning. We pray that you break the spirits that rule over this city. Inferiority, fear, smallness, all of those things. The spirit of poverty that reigns over this community. We ask Jesus that you break it, and we ask that you break it by breaking it in us as a church family. Change us that we would truly be a lighthouse to people when they look and say, those people are different. What happened? Well, because we met you. We had the courage to touch the hem of your garment. We had the courage to ask you to step into our life, to come into our home, to change our children, to change our family, to change our marriage, to change our, our finances, to change the way we think. Jesus, we ask all of those things, and we believe that you will use us. Amen and amen. I'm done. Whoa. Those of you that joined us today online, come back next week. You'll love it. The energy pastor will be here. <laughs> Looking forward to, to next week. But God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he give you his peace. May he go with you whenever you go out and when you come in. May he break the spirit of poverty in your home and in your family. May he change your thinking by the power of his word and the inspiration of his spirit. Bless you. Amen and amen.